to the Bruins Benders Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1, Bruins Season Preview with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink and download the new Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website. Right on your phone, and now Smitty has a quick word from show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and NFL betting lines up for their 28th year of live betting. Sign up at BetUS.com with the promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, that is BETUS.com, and use the promo code RINK for your sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US, you bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Do we get paid? Do we get paid? Maybe. I think I think we do a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Maybe we should play more. You have to you have, you to, have to yeah. In order to get paid, you have to play. You do have to do that. Tell me. Yeah. yeah. I think that's true. Uh hey, season premiere of the Bruins Benders podcast and our Bruins season preview coming up. But first, prospect challenge recap. The Bruins prospects were in the challenge in Buffalo, 16 little round robin tournament. And the Bruins coming in with the 32nd best prospect pool in the, in the league and uh, had a pretty good showing, won two games in the challenge. They did. They did. They, they had a pretty good showing. They had some guys that looked pretty good, Fabian Lysel being uh, chief among them. Had a pretty good tournament. Uh, Luke Toporowski had a pretty good tournament. Mm-hmm. Some of their uh, some of the young defensive guys had uh, had decent tournaments. Uh, I can't think of any of the names. Well, off John, the top of my John head. Beecher had a yes, and Beecher had, had a good a tournament, really good tournament. And you know, there's talk now that maybe he's a little bit better than people might have thought. Um, you know, and had him sort of as a bottom six NHL you know, forward because didn't have, you know, great finishing touch, has great speed, great size, uh, really, you know, hunts the puck and plays hard. But, you know, people thought maybe one of those guys that's just going to have kind of stone hands and, and do everything well except for putting it in the net. But he's been doing that some, especially in the challenge. So maybe there's a guy, maybe not right away this year, but soon, that'll be able to be a really good bottom six guy for at least the next four or five years. Yeah. I think he, I think he, uh, you know, had uh, gained some confidence in that tournament. And uh, I think that's carried over for him a little bit into uh, the full camp here. And uh, he's been playing pretty well. So, um, you know, big body skates. Well, uh, is a center, which is a plus takes face offs. It win- is winning face offs. He penalty kills. Mm. Um, so you have a big guy who can who can win draws and kill penalties, you know, in your bottom six, you're gonna you're gonna have an NHL career for a for a long time. Yeah, you sure you certainly are. So that was that was, I guess, a little more promising. And now that we see now in the preseason, the first couple of games, you know, we have a couple of other guys and younger guys. You know, obviously AJ Greer had the the overtime goal in game two of the preseason. Jackson Nick had two assists, you know, Oscar Steen scored a goal. So, you know, maybe some of those young, maybe the prospect pool is improving some and there is something there uh, for the team coming, you know, going forward. I will say this, though, new coach, new outlook, you know, guys seem like they probably have some freedom and a second chance. So we'll just see 
if that's just a novelty and it wears off and they're back to who we thought they were, or if it's actually something coming down the line. But I think it's a good sign anyway. I thought Studnika was okay in the first game. Not great in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Showed a little bit later. But then in game two, I thought he played better. There's just time, There's just times when it just doesn't seem like, and I don't want to really want to call it effort, but it almost seems like there's not a ton of effort. Second, second effort. Uh, there were three or four passes in game one of the preseason where he, he just doesn't catch the pass. Right. Just, he just doesn't catch it. Yeah, I mean, and, and, consistency yeah, I is a big is. thing for young players, and 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 part of the reason that some guys, you know, develop and are good, and some guys aren't. You know, you figure out. Uh, some guys takes longer than others, but you figure figure out at an early age uh, or early in your career. You know, I have to play this way all the time to stay in the league. And some guys figure it out, and some guys don't. Uh, and the guys that don't bounce up and down and, and have some issues. And, you know, you wonder if there's effort and, you know, it might not be that it might be, you know, they're not feeling as good as they would, you know, they took some hits or whatever it is, whatever the case may be, but professionals fight through that and give you the same effort night in and night out. That's why Marshand is so good. Cause he's always on, he, you don't see Marsh. He might not play well, but he's going to, give you an, an honest effort every single night. Same with Bergeron, same with the, you know, the top guys in the league. That's what you get from them. That's why they're the top guys in the league is because every single night they show up. They do. And I think with AJ Greer as a guy, you know, who played at BU a little bit, um, was a, was a draft pick in that 2015 draft. Um, you know, has some scoring ability in some of the levels he played in. He's also a guy who will fight. Yeah. will be chipping a little nasty and, and not back down, which he showed the other night. Um, and a guy that really puts some pressure on someone like Thomas Nosek, because, you know, I don't know if they'll really need Nosek for what he does, which again, in the first preseason game, wasn't great. Like, no, it wasn't I, great. I mean, to me, he puts pressure on a guy like Trent Frederick. Like, sure. He plays how Trent Frederick should play. He's, he hits everything that moves. He scores some goals. He's feisty. He agitates. He'll drop the gloves. He, you know, he is giving the effort that Frederick should give. And right now, if it was up to me, Greer's on the team and Frederick is not based off of, you know, a handful you know, a couple of preseason games. But if, but if I was making the decision, that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the guy who's going to give me the effort and, and plow through guys and cause havoc and, Give me some energy. Like the crowd was all into it. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you need out of your bottom six guys. You need, you need energy. You need them to lift the rest of the bench up. That's what you need from. So, I mean, it's pro it, it, you know, like I said, it's only a couple of games, but it, as of right now, that's what I'm, I'm taking him. I'm putting him on the third line. You know, and Jim Montgomery said the same thing. He said, if the season started today, Greer's in the lineup. Yeah. And today I saw in the practice lines that Greer was playing with Coyle and Smith, just like you just said. There you go. So, and Frederick wasn't great in the second preseason game. He was not. And, you know, Greer plays left wing. And we've talked about Fred, Trent Frederick all season long. If you want to go back to season one of the Bruins Benders podcast, he was a whipping boy. He was a guy that we talked about all year long that had to play a certain way. Like you just said, he's a perfect example of the guy who has to play a certain way to stay in the league. Mm-hmm. And there were times when he wasn't. No. And he would get benched. And he would get scratched. And he would, you know, not be playing. Um, 
in a, on a given night. And now a guy like AJ Greer comes in. He had a wicked snipe in the overtime. Yeah. He had a tremendous move. It didn't score, but he went around a guy. Yeah. A little toe drag uh, around to, him. To get a shot off. Oh, my goodness. That he was scored earlier in the game, play. too. He had two goals. He had two goals and seven hits yeah. in 13 minutes. Two yeah, goals and, and seven a, hits. And a fight. And a fight. Oh, <laughs> almost a fight. Oh, yeah. Almost. Yeah. yeah. He fought the, did he fight, fight the first game? He did. Yeah, right? he did fight the first game. Yeah, he did fight the first game. So, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's exactly what you said. He's He's exactly what... Trent Frederick should be. And now I think Montgomery has seen that and really likes what he sees from Greer. And I think unless something happens, I think Greer is going to make the team. It certainly looks that way. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Trent Frederick was on the last year of a $1 million deal. And, and, and Greer is endearing himself to the, to the fan base. He knows, he knows how the fans in this town want, players like him to play he knows he's been here he played at BU like you said before um and and he said in the media afterwards that he models himself after Milan Lucic right I mean you're gonna endear absolutely (laughs) gonna endear him (laughs) to to the people because the people have been claiming for the real Lucic to come back and play come back 11 years later (laughs) yeah so if you can get a guy that's you know 25 going on 26 years old to come in and play like that you know, they're going to love him. I mean, he's going to be a cult hero in Boston. He and, he, and he, in that post-game interview, you could see how happy he was to be wearing the Bruins. He said it a couple of times yeah. that to put the emblem on, to put the sweater on, you know, to play in Boston. And he thrives, looks like a guy who thrives on, like you said, the fan reaction to what he does. Mm-hmm. And that's and what's what he likes to do and is willing to do. Then, God bless him. He's he is going to, and that could be a really good pickup from Sweeney. Um, and it'll be interesting as we go if if Sweeney can gain some level of trust or or regain some uh, respect from fans. If if some of these prospects that he's bringing in actually are able to uh, to do something. All right, Seven Chirps time is sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewing and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you can use the coupon code SPORTS. To get 10% off your online order, go to lopsbrewing.com, and also follow them on social media at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. And Chirp number one, Sedano Chower retires a Bruin, signs a one-day deal to be a Bruin and retire, and they will have a ceremonial puck drop on October 22nd against the Minnesota Wild for Chara. Um, I guess your your uh, opinion or your thoughts on his legacy with the Bruins? Well, I think it all started kind of with him and, and Savard uh, to change the culture when he got to the Bruins, it was a, it was, you know, it was kind of a mess. Like they were, uh, you know, borderline last place kind of team. They were just, you know, they didn't really have the leadership that you would want them to have. And they, and they kind of weren't getting any free agents. And, you know, that was kind of a big deal. You know, he comes in, signs a big contract uh, to be the captain. Savard comes in and it, and it really kind of changed the whole entire culture and the feeling around the team. So to me, uh, that's his legacy is the teams that you see have seen going forward have his stamp on them for the way that he created the culture that still exists now. And, um, you know, obviously the cup win in 11 uh, is huge and, and, and that should be 
noted and, and, you know, Norris trophies and all trophy and, and, you know, final Norris finalists and that kind of thing. Like he's been just a steady rock pillar, great guy, you know, deserves all the accolades he gets really. And, and is, is everything that you would want in a Bruins captain, I feel like. And I agree. And in 2006, I think that was shortly after the Dave Lewis miserable year. There. Yeah. I mean, they were in the tank and they had not really, as we've known growing up, not really spent the extra money. And at the time, those were those were market deals. Those were like big market, like top of the market deals mm-hmm. that they hadn't done in the past. And they go and get Chara and Savard, who also Savard, although is his career was cut short also, you know, a, 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 gr- a good pro and a good Bruin and gave his all and mm-hmm. that type of thing. So that did, it did change the culture a hundred percent. And he also did, you know, little subtle things like, um, you know, not letting rookies be mistreated. Like, you know, anybody who made the team was a professional hockey player and were to be treated as such. And that's part of the culture that was kind of brought in. So when you had guys like, and I know he had problems here, but Tyler Sagan, Brad Marsham was a rookie in 11. Like those guys were able to be a part of the team and a big part of the team and didn't have to worry about, you know, being mistreated by veteran guys and which can happen. And, you know, in different sports at different levels. So uh, Chara did change the whole sort of landscape and Bergeron was in his third or fourth season. So he was still young, still only 21, 22 years old. And, um, and Chara was able to really put his stamp on it. And five years later, you know, in 2010, four years later, they should have won the cup, I still think, mm. because when Krejci got hurt, that that sort of killed that that thought of, of them winning. And then 2011, they win. So within four to five years, they're a top team in the league. And uh, it was all, it, I mean, it wasn't all him, but it was certainly him starting that culture. So it's good for him to, you know, good to see him um, having his day and being back with the Bruins which he should be. And I think there'll be a number of retirement at some point. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the puck drop is just something to recognize it now. And then later on, there'll be a bigger night. I'm sure with his 33 going to the rafters. Um, trip number two, should Fabian Lysel start the season in the Western hockey league, Providence or Boston? I believe he should start in Providence. And uh, I feel like he should play probably the entire season there unless he's really tearing it up late in the season or if the Bruins are, you know, just killed with injuries. I feel like he needs to get stronger. I think he gets pushed around a little bit now, um, and it's still just preseason games. And so the speed's going to ramp up again once it hits the regular season. So I feel like he could use kind of a full season worth of um, seasoning at the the AHL level uh, before he kind of comes to the Bruins full-time. I think so, too. And I look back at some of the Western Hockey League, you know, some of the players, like good players in the past who played in the Western Hockey League, and many of them played multiple years there. Uh, you know, Jerome McGinley played four seasons in the Western Hockey League. The only guy I could see that played one year and then became, like, you know, really good player was Duncan Keith, who just retired. So, But all a lot of them played two to three to four years. Like, Lucic was in that, too, like, playing several years in the Western Hockey League. So I'm with you. I think there's a couple of things going for Lysel right now, and and one is the type of game NHL is right now with speed and finesse and all that, where he can do it 
undersized at, in a pro, at the Providence level. And I agree with you. He sh- probably should be there. And also the need for the organization to hang their hat top prospect and show him at the pro level. Like there's it, this is not a team that has the time for that. And I think you put him in Providence to really kind of push the envelope because I think you need some positivity from your prospect pool. You need to show, you know, the hockey world that you do have some prospects here and here's your top prospect and he is going to be a player. So I think there's a little bit of urgency there too. Does yeah. That makes sense. I, I think that's, I think that's, that's it. And I'm, I'm with you play him there the whole year. I think I, I, I saw some really good things for him in the first preseason game, but also there's, there's still, you can also see that it's probably, he's probably not there yet either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was some passes and stuff that he made that, you know, at the NHL level, he's not going to be able to get away with that. He could get away with Mm -hmm. it in a preseason game, but he's not going to be able to get away with it at the NHL level when it's, Mm -hmm. you know, bullets are flying for real. So I feel like he has some things to work on, uh, some things to clean up, but you can see it. I mean, the the speed is there. The skill is there. The hands are there. You know, the vision, all that stuff is there, the creativity. Um, but he just needs, you know, he needs a little more time to develop and a little more time to get stronger. And and uh, I think a year in the in the AHL will do him well. And I think that first play, that first preseason game where they had some power plays early, he had some really good possession in the zone. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He looked like he had some confidence there. And uh, there were some really, there were some pretty good power plays with him sort of in the in the lead there and possessing the puck quite a bit. So that was a good sign as well. Uh, chip three, Brandon Carlo comments in The Athletic about loving hockey again. So this is, this is kind of beautiful. So Brandon Carlo says that he had a miserable time last year. He just loves going to the rink again and so forth and so on. And actually made a comment that, it, you know, it's nice to not have to go to the bench and on the way to the bench – getting an earful on the way to the bench. So I think there was a, we talk about DeBrusque and Cassidy and we talk about uh, Frederick and Cassidy and younger guys and you Stadnika and Cassidy, mm-hmm. Sinitian, but Carlo might've been one of the real top culprits in all of this. I think you're right. I think, I think uh, that could be a big reason why he had a regression. Because he yeah. just felt like anytime he did something wrong, he was going to hear about it immediately. You know, yes. he, he didn't have the freedom to just play and make a mistake. Um, so I think maybe when he was younger, they cut him some slack on that. And as he become, became more of a veteran and a leader on the team, because uh, he does wear the A sometimes, that, you know, they were kind of hammering on him. You know, you can't keep doing this or whatever, whatever the case may be. And I think it probably grates on you after a while it would me you know if every time you come off the ice someone's yelling at you like you suck you know you can't you can't keep turning the fucking puck like that's gonna that's gonna grind you down so uh being able to have a clean slate with a new coach i think uh certainly will help him and and maybe we'll get him back to the form he showed a few years ago when he was uh he was a shutdown guy. I did notice that a few times during some of the preseason games that he really jumped up in the play. I mean, he's always been a great skater. So if you can get a little bit more out of him offensively and he returns to that shutdown form, I think, you know, the Bruins will be in pretty good shape when they, uh, you know, get McAvoy back. It, it does make sense now when he reg- severely regressed offensively, like severely. Yeah. So he would not make those 
risky plays because he knew he'd get an earful or so forth. Right. And I think also Cassidy kind of figured out who Carlo was and it frustrated him. Like, it, it, you know, look, you're a big strapping dude. You're either going to jump in the play and be, be, give us a little bit of offense, or if you're going to be stay at home, you're going to pound people. Like you can't be in between. You can't do neither. Right. And I think that that's probably what got Cassidy's ire there, but it was interesting, the comments. And then there was also Stadnika who said, you know, it's, I just didn't want to go to the rink any, anymore. And I didn't want I was Jesus, you know, what, what the hell was Cassidy doing to these guys? Like you think yeah. like, this is a little over the top dude. Like I, I don't, I mean, I can't imagine that it was so bad that these guys were just like puddles after, yeah. after what was going on. But I don't, Cassidy was probably frustrated. He said, he's probably thinking, Sweeney, give me these, these young guys who can't play and I'm just going to rip them a new asshole. Right. You know, every time. Because it's just not working out. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's and like we didn't really see it with Cassidy because he was great with the media and he kind of told 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 it like it was or like it is, and and everybody kind of ate that up. But if you if you look back now, like Krejci left, Jabresk yeah. wanted to be traded, Stanika was miserable, uh, you know, Kylo miserable. Like the the list is kind of growing, kind of bigger, and like you like. Uh, uh, who was it? Bacchus didn't see eye to eye with them. Right. You True. know, there, there's a, the list is longer than we thought. Like, we're like, yes. oh, it was just a Nico, just a brass. Like, what the hell's up with them? But, you know, now some more stuff got starting to come out. And you're like, well, maybe he was grating on everybody. And, yeah. you know, some guys could just handle it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as we've said before, you, you coach in the league long enough, your message starts to run stale. And it certainly appeared as though, at the end, uh, the message from Cassidy had run stale with this group. Yeah, and Grizzlick, there was Grizzlick too. There was a right. rumor about Grizzlick and how he was treating him and talking to him. So I think it started as DeBrusque has a problem and wants to leave, and everybody kind of get on DeBrusque like, come on, like, you want to leave, then go. And even we did that right. on, on episode yeah, two. We were sure. like, you got to trade the guy. He doesn't want to be here, screw yeah. him. But now there's like 10 guys. You know, right, that, that we're going to leave or wanted to leave or didn't want to come to the rink. So now, hopefully, Montgomery. Now, there's a fine line there. You don't want to be too soft. Right, that the team is just not not motivated or not held accountable. But I think it it will help the team in the beginning, and maybe we will get something out of these couple guys. I still don't think Stanika is an everyday NHL player that's going to be all that productive because if you look at his stats in other levels. Not super duper, not stupendous, you know, so I don't, I don't think it's going to happen for him, but maybe there are some other guys coming up that will be uh, a little more comfortable playing, you know, from, from a young age and given a little bit more leash, you know, that's another thing, you know, not being scratched after three games because you, you had seven minutes of ice time because you were sat for the third period. So that that's that thing too. Uh, chirp four. Why isn't Taylor Hall seen as a core piece of the team? He's a former league MVP, but he just really isn't mentioned much when you talk about the core. And it's true. I don't. I don't really know the answer to that. It, it's kind of surprising to me. I. I mm. mean, he put up what third or fourth, fourth, fourth most points on the team last year. He's sixty. Yeah. Um. You know, he had a good year. Um, yep. But when everybody talks about the core of the team, it's like McAvoy, Pasternak, Swayman, you know, Lindholm, whatever. Those guys are signed. Like Hall's signed. Nobody mentions right. him though. Like yeah. I'm not, and I'm not sure why. I'm, I'm really not. I mean, he I, is it because he, you know, 
is a little streaky, comes and goes, is uh, is he hasn't been on the team long enough? Like I'm not I'm not 100% sure why that is. Here's why I don't. I don't trust him. And I don't trust him because his 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 career has been largely, well, maybe not largely, but somewhat underachieving. And it's and, and at times like he will he's had run-ins with teams where he eventually you know, has a great year and then eventually doesn't have a very good year. And it's kind of ebbs and flows with him. And it's not, you know, people thought he was going to be one of the top players in the league. Like he was a dynamic player coming into the draft. And he hasn't been on that level of, you know, high first round, first overall picks. He hasn't been to that level consistently. And you talked about streakiness. I I feel it's more there's a lack of trust with me that he just doesn't have the consistency or um, doesn't give what you think he's going to give. He's kind of fool's gold. Like you think you just keep waiting for Taylor Hall to have a 45 goal season and just be dynamic and great. And he just doesn't get there, but you see flashes of him on the ice where you're like, wow, what a, what a play by Hall. But then he won't see that for six games. And it's, and it's a, it just, it just, I think there's just this feeling that he's going to let you down at the, at the end of the day. And I, and I think that's part of it. And the other part of it is that some of the core was drafted here and he's kind of the guy who they brought in. So maybe that's part of it too, where they drafted these other guys. So they're kind of the core and he's an out outlier, like a coil where he's kind of an added piece. And and I'm not sure. I'm just not sure what Bruins fans really feel about him. I, he's good and he can be great, but I feel like I, I just feel like he's like you said the eighth guy you mentioned. Yeah, on the team just like slightly disappointing kind of yeah. a thing where he you know he he hasn't played up to his full potential kind of yeah. a kind of a deal. He's kind of the JD Drew of the Bruins. Where he's just like, this guy is a number one pick. This guy has all the tools. This guy is just terrific. And then there's a couple of games where you're like, wow, this guy is as good as we thought he was. And then 10 games later, you're like, what happened? You know, that three weeks ago, he was really good. Mm. And it's kind of that same thing. Like there's this undertone of he's going to kind of let you down. And um, and it doesn't happen every day. And if you're not an every, like you said about Martian, if you're not an everyday guy, Boston fans don't, don't get behind you, you know? And that's, and I think that's part of it. There's a little bit of I don't, prima donna to his deal. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's just a little bit of, I don't know how much of a, of a real grinder he is night to night, like a Martian does. We said this before you could be, you know, you could hit 270, but if you slide in the third with your pants on fire, then everybody's going to love you. You know, if you're Trot well, Nixon, if people yeah. like Trot Nixon over Mina Ramirez in Boston, people like, you know, dirt dog. They, they like uh, PJ Stock over David Krejci. You know, right. they, it's just, that's just the way Boston is. Blue collar, dirt dog, give it, give it everything you have, you know, put your body on the line. They'll they'll love you to a to a point, and if you're not that, they won't they won't let you in the the fraternity so to speak. So I think maybe that's part of it with Hall. I, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. And it'll be interesting to see how 
how much longer he'll be a Bruin and how that'll play out. I, I don't know. Um, all right, sure up five. Five things that need to go right for the Bruins to make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, so can't have any more injuries. One. Okay. So, one. so they, yeah. they, those, and, and, uh, I don't know one, you can call it one, a, you can call it two. I don't know. How, I don't know how many things I'll throw on the list, whatever. Um, but they need to get the guys that are injured back and those guys need to perform. So, you know, McAvoy needs to come back and be himself. Marshan needs to come back and be himself. Grizzly needs to come back and be himself. Like those guys need to come back and play well. So there's those two things. Um, I think depth scoring is always, is always, is always there. So, mm-hmm. you know, that coil line, you know, coil, like Smith has to rebound, you know, they, they mm-hmm. that third line has to be, uh, an offensive threat. It can't just be out there sucking up minutes and, and being a black hole and, and not really creating anything. It needs to, you know, the depth forwards need to need to give them some offense. Uh, for, I would say offense from the defenseman other than McAvoy, like you need to have other guys chip in, um, a full year Lindholm, I think will help that a little more freedom from Riley. If he's Around will help that. I think Zaboral was showing flashes before he got hurt last year, so I think that'll help. Um, I think Kylo getting some freedom, getting the monkey off his back, you know, Cassidy off his back, and giving him a little more room to breathe. I think that could help. So, uh, and I think Strawman is, is. We haven't talked about this yet, but I think he's going to be uh, a really nice addition to the team because um, I think he's so steady and he makes such a good first pass out of the zone. He's smart. He's played a ton of games. He's been through playoffs, you know, all the way through the Stanley cup finals. So, um, you know, I think some of the, some of the depth pieces they have now, I think are better than they have been in the past. Like your, you know, seventh, eighth defenseman guy. I think your forwards that are competing for the bottom six roles, that fourth line roles. I think you have more guys there that if you did lose some guys, you have guys that you could plug in and be like, oh, that's not a huge drop off. So I think they have a little more depth there that that will help. And and finally, it's it's goaltending. It's, it, it, it always will be goaltending. The goaltending needs to play well. Swayman has to uh, improve on last year. He needs to control his rebounds better. He needs to handle the puck better. And then all Mark just needs to continue to be solid. So I would say if, you know, if those things all uh, work in their favor, I think they're a playoff team. And I do too. And I think a, obviously a big part of the whole thing is how David Krejci will play after missing a year in the NHL and having it be, I mean, he played in a league that was, you know, it was sort of easier for him. Now he's coming back to the NHL where it's, you know, it, it, it can get away from you pretty quick. So it'd be interesting to see for me how David Krejci performs throughout the season. Injuries are obviously the big thing when you're a slightly older team, mm-hmm. you always have the risk of more injuries. You've already had some. You have guys with repaired repair jobs all over the place that could get re-injured or so forth. So that's always scary. Uh, goaltending is, is huge. And I think the defensemen chipping in offensively is such a sneaky, important thing for them. Because back in the day in 2011, I think we said they had, um, I can't remember, 100 and or I can't remember how many points, but it was a lot of points in the postseason from the defense all the way down to yeah. Ferentz, like yeah. everybody. The guys had guys had goals, everything. And they didn't have a lot of that at all last year. Their defensive points after McAvoy were pretty much non-existent. Uh, 
So I think Lindholm will help. Strom will help with more assists probably because of his good passing and such and so forth. But guys like Carlo and Saboral have to be able to chip in too and, and step up and, and step in to make plays. And I think, you know, secondary, if, if Smith isn't getting it done and Felino isn't getting it done in these guys, then you got to see Greer and you got to see McLaughlin. You got to see these other guys and maybe just send Smith somewhere. He's on the last year of his deal, but you're going to probably lose him anyway. I don't think you're going to resign him unless he has a good year. So if he's not having a good year, I think you, you, you give his spot to someone else, some younger guy. And I'd rather see a younger guy with his ups and downs than Craig Smith out there invisible, to be quite honest. So th- those are all important factors for sure for the Bruins. I think right now, I think they're on paper, a better team than people are giving them credit for. I agree with that. But there's such a, but there's a lot of risk factors in there. Like in a perfect world, I think they can win the division. I do. I agree with you. But in an imperfect world, they could have a real disastrous middle of the year too. Yeah. I mean, if they get off to a bad start and, and Martian doesn't come back this the same way and like it it could go downhill in a hurry. Really could. It really could. Um, and you don't really have the prospects in there to float in there. So if it goes downhill, it's going all the way down the hill. Um, and, you know, that's what some Bruins fans want. They wanted the rebuild. They may get a rebuild uh, by default. Uh, all right, chirp number six, five things that could cause the Bruins to miss the playoffs. So injuries, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. the injuries are already there. But if they lose anybody else in the in the early part of that season – like if someone else goes down and then you're missing, you know, those three guys and then other guys, like it, it could go bad in a hurry. So injuries uh, is big. Um, you know, Krejci comes back and he's just not the same guy. I mean, that that, mm. that it could be that. Right. It could be some of these uh, defensemen, you know, jump up in the play and we're giving up, you know, all kinds of two on ones and. And we're getting scored on and we're just giving up way more goals than we're used to giving up. So it could be, you know, a defensive philosophy change that could come back to bite you, you know, if you're not smart about it. So I think that's something that could derail them a little bit. Um, You know, the secondary scoring, it was kind of non-existent last year. And if it stays that way, you know, that's, that's going to derail you. You can't expect you know, Martian, Bergeron, Pasternak to bail you out all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it was last year when those guys, basically when those guys didn't score, the Bruins didn't win. So mm-hmm. um, if the secondary scoring lets you down, you know, you're going to be on the outside looking in. And then the competition within the division is much better. So, um, you know, Ottawa's improved, obviously. Detroit's improved. Montreal is is young and and probably not very good, but still improved. You know, all these teams in your division have gotten better, um, maybe with the exception of Florida, who who lost a couple of key pieces, um, you know, in, in uh, Huberto and, and Wegar, and then lost Giroux after the trade deadline. So, um, you know, you lose some of those guys, and, and you know, Tampa's a little bit older and, and has had to, you know, say goodbye to some guys. But, you know, still, obviously, those teams are, are still towards the top of the division. So, I think the division as a whole is, is tougher. So, you know, it's going to be a grind, um, especially with guys hurt early in the season. So I think all those things could play a factor into them uh, missing the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, goaltending is definitely yeah, and that's important. True. Right. That's, that's, I mean, if that fails in some way, 
Um, and I don't think it will. I mean, they have some pretty good security there with two decent goaltenders. But, you know, if someone gets hurt and the other guy doesn't play well, then, yeah, that could send you in a tailspin too. Um, if you're not figuring out the bottom six, if they're not getting it done, if Charlie Coyle has a bad year, I mean, that's not great either. So he needs to have a, a good year with potentially as the year goes forward and it's completely healthy. He could have Zaka and Smith on his line. He should he should do well. You know what I mean? He should, you know, or, or someone like that. I mean, he should he should be doing pretty well with the players he has, and that should be a line that should uh, as it goes forward. And if Zaka's moved down to the third line, then that's a that's a line that can that can do some damage. But um, all right, so that leads us into chirp number seven. Last year we did bold predictions, and I had DeBrusque with twenty five goals and hit it. And you had uh, Marshan win in the heart, and you might have if he didn't hit other people <laughs> uh, illegally. So, uh, yeah. So, what is your bold prediction for this year? My bold prediction this year is that the Bruins are going to have eight guys who score twenty goals. Okay. Okay. So, so they're going to figure Marshan, Bergeron, DeBrusque, uh, uh, Paul Pasternak, Paul Pasternak, Krejci, Smith, and let's Smith say. Soccer. Zaka, sure. Smith Zaka. Okay. Smith Zaka. So everyone essentially but Charlie Coyle. <laughs> yeah, I don't think goals. I don't think yeah. Coyle because he doesn't shoot the puck no, enough. He doesn't shoot the puck enough. No. No. But yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's possible. I mean I think that, so. that is possible. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think they're gonna have balance. I think they're gonna have better balanced scoring overall, mm-hmm. and I and I think that will help them get into the playoffs. Okay. Uh my bold prediction, I have DeBrusque with twenty five. I'm gonna stay with a twenty five and go Pavel Zaka twenty five goals. Okay. This year. And my other bold prediction beyond this year, this is not Patrice Bergeron's last year. I I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree and with I, you. And I I would almost say if things go well, I almost think it's not Bergeron or Krejci's last year. And I think they get one more bridge year before the young guys come up of those two centermen for next year as well. I I could see that. I could that's, I could I could see that. I I see that coming down the pipeline again, without injuries, without disaster, without those things. I see that happening uh, next year, but we'll see. Um, all right, and uh, lastly, Bruins with four players. In the NHL Network Top 50. And it was Charlie McAvoy at 27. Parsonak at 26. Marshan at 23. Bergeron at 22. Oh, I mean, that sounds about right. I, I, yes. I, I mean. that Bergeron is, is, it's just now, what could be his last year is the top. Yeah, I mean, I probably, I probably would put Marshan higher. I probably would put Marshan in the top twenty because I think he's probably one of the top two or three left wings in the entire league. So mm-hmm. I would, I would probably put him in the top twenty. Um, but Bergeron had an unbelievable year. I mean, he really he did. did. Yeah, so, his best year as a pro. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's hard to argue with the with the rankings. I mean, McAvoy maybe should be a little bit higher too because he was. You know, he was a yeah. finalist for the Norris uh, or fourth or whatever it was. Fourth, right? Right. Uh, so, yeah, what I mean, he? he's probably he's yeah. he's probably right about where he yeah. should be. Um, yeah. yeah, it was what? It was Makar, Yossi, and then Hedman, and then McAvoy. And then Hedman, and then Fox, right? Um, so no, McAvoy right. was higher. I think McAvoy finished above Fox. 
above Fox, right? That's yeah. What I, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so I think it's yeah. I think it's about I think it's about where they should be overall. Maybe maybe Marshan a little bit higher, and, and Pasternak had you know kind of a slow little bit there, um, and then he turned it on. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I would say that they're probably where they should be for the most part. So if you have four guys in the top fifty, that's a pretty good team. Four guys in the top thirty. Right, four guys in the top 28. Right. Yeah, you have four guys in the top 28 in the league. That's pretty good. I mean, there's 32 teams in the league. Yeah. So that's pretty good. You know, that, that means you have a pretty good team. And again, if they're all healthy. Right, two of, a, two of them aren't going to be there to start two, the season. Two, two of them aren't healthy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as, as the year goes on, that's that's four in the top 28. That's, that's really, really good. Um, so I don't know. I think... Uh, Next week we'll have our NHL predictions and we'll 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 do that thing with with the standings and who we think will win and all of that. But I think that if things go well, I think this is a talented team. I think this is a really talented team. And I don't know I know there's some Bruins fans who don't want to admit it, but it is. And um, you know, are they as talented to get to the Stanley Cup finals or any of that? I don't know. But I think that they're pretty good. I think if, Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if things fall the right way for them, um, you know, they'll be, they'll be a really solid team all the way around. Like, you know, Krejci back certainly helps. That gives them a little bit more depth and playmaking that they, that they haven't had, you know, Holland did an admirable job filling in there, but he's not Mm -hmm. the playmaker that Krejci is. Um, you know, you add Zaka in, who's another big body. Um, you know, if, if Saboral can have kind of, uh, you know, a breakout season, which it looked like he was doing before the injury, you know, they have some pieces that could give them a really solid team, you know, all the way through their lineup. So, um, I, I do think they're a better team than they were last year. Now, whether that, you know, ends up working out, you know, on paper or whatever, then, you know, we'll see, but. I think they, I think they have more talent than they did a year ago. And I think that, um, you know, I think the power play will be better. Um, you know, hopefully, especially with Krejci in there, I think, mm-hmm. I think it'll be better. It has to be. The thing I'm going to take a real look at though, is a penalty kill because you have some, if you have some younger bottom six guys, I'm not sure how much penalty killing time you want to give a guy like Bergeron all season long. So, um, penalty kill might be a sneaky little thing, uh, for people. Yeah. So I will have to take a look at that. Uh, go to the inside the rink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Go ahead and buy some merch from us. Uh, follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Download the Inside the Rink app. Next week we'll do NHL predictions and look at some over-unders for you betting fools. Um, and this year we'll do Benders again, so that'll be fun. And we'll do some other little things as well. We appreciate everyone listening. And uh, this is the Bruins season preview. We will see you all very soon. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.